Happy Friday, Options Actions fans. We've got a big show lined up for you tonight. Here is what's on tap. Forget Bond. It's really about Carter Worth spies with his little eye, something lurking in the shadows of the NASDAQ. Tony Zhang thinks something's cooking at General Electric, and he's got an options recipe for you to follow. And sticking with all things electric might go with some jolting observations and a way to insulate yourself. It's time to risk less and make more. Options action starts now. Well, let's get right to it. Markets gearing up for the busiest week of earnings of the season, and that includes some of the biggest tech names, Apple, Microsoft, Facebook, and Amazon, all set to report. The four stocks are also the largest holdings in the NASDAQ 100 ETF, which is now on track for its best month since June. But Carter Worth says there's trouble in the charts for some of those high-flying names. He is at the plasma to break it down. Carter, what are you seeing? Right, so sometimes something's so good that perhaps there is trouble, meaning there is no trouble in the charts, but that maybe is the trouble. They're priced for perfection. So we're going to look at the top five stocks as a basket and then zero in on the QQQs. Four of the top five report next week. Let's move forward and look at some lines. Top five stocks, what are they? They're 18% now of the S&P, more than the bottom 300. If you look at a chart of their weighting, and this is what this is. The peak uh, the top five ever reached was in 1999 at about 20%. While we're not 20% now, we're about 18 and a half. And um, uh, crowded is the word that comes to mind. So let's look at the Qs. Here is a channel of the QQQ, the ETF that you can trade that is dominated by those top five names. And it has been in a virtual perfect 45-degree angle on the log scale. But we're at the top of that channel. And my thinking here is that this is uh, a little hot. Now let's look at it arithmetically in relation to a 150-day moving average. Here's the QQQ since 2015. Here it is on a shorter-term basis. And I just want to point out these checkbacks to the 150-day, this checkback to the 150-day, this checkback. Just a simple checkback to the line, 8 10 12%, depends how quickly you come down, but we're due for that. If I just remove all of this, a little too far above the purple line. Take action. Those names have really been stretched very far. Thank you, Carter. Come on back to the desk with us. In the meantime, Mike, what's your trade on this? What are you thinking? Yeah, you know, so it's interesting, and Karen actually was kind of alluding to this at the end of FAST. She was just talking about the fact that although we did see a bump up in the VIX, which is a measure of implied volatility, the price of options, that didn't necessarily mean that it's a complete buy right here. It's interesting, if you take a look at the difference between the implied volatility, which is the price of options, and realized volatility, which is how much the markets actually move around, that gap still remains exceptionally wide. So while the temptation here might be to just run out and buy at the money puts, in fact, they're not quite cheap enough to do that. Plus, as Carter was just pointing out, he's looking for a checkback, maybe 8 to 10%, something in this kind of uh, range, not an absolute uh, collapse. So looking into the earnings season, trying to make sure that I capture most of it, bearing in mind the fact that options, while cheap, are maybe not cheap enough to buy them outright in the queues right now, I was looking out to March the 220, 200-foot spread on the triple queues right now. You could buy the... 220s for 4.55. Sell the 200s for 120 against it. Net net, you're spending three dollars and 35 cents to buy that put spread. 
Uh, I think that's probably the way you want to do it. Those out-of-the-money puts are going to mitigate some of the decay that you're going to experience. Um, but obviously, if there's going to be any form of a catalyst that's likely to move the markets right now, we're going to exclude all of the you know, virus concerns and things like that. But if there's going to be fundamental factors that drive the market at this point, earnings would obviously be one of the potential catalysts. And the top names obviously have outsized impact on the index right now. Unbelievable impact, in fact. What do you make of the strategy, Carter? I mean, this is the, what one has to do, because just staying and believing and hoping it gets a bit dangerous. I would point out, if you look at just the concept of how far above or below trend anything can get, we know commodities in particular can become explosive, or an individual stock like a Tesla. But the point is that when you have an aggregation, the QQQ, this is 15% above the 150-day moving average. The last time that happened, it's only happened one other time in the last eight years, was January of 2018, and we know what happened in January 18. We sold off 12%. Vomageddon. Tony, what do you think of this? Do you like the NASDAQ 100? Do you want to go after individual tech components that are reporting? Um, I really like this particular trade for two reasons. First of all, because of the fact that you're using the Qs. The five names that you've mentioned, there's a concentration of 40% in these five names in the Qs. So you're basically using the Qs as a proxy to take a bearish trade on this earnings event, which is a much cheaper way to take it. But actually, the, the genius part, from my perspective, is the fact that if these stocks miss on earnings and Qs move lower, the implied volatility on these Qs options actually elevate Unlike if you were buying a put on the individual names where you get that volatility crush that works against you, I really like this particular trade. And so what about just those components, Tony? I know you like this trade in particular, but is there any other action you would take on some of those individual tech names that are reporting next So out of those five names, I'm skewing more on the bearish side. I think you have a mixed bag here. I think Apple I I particularly like, but... But Amazon, Google, I'm not as sure on. So I think that I'm skewing towards on the bearish side, and I like using the cues as a proxy to take that bearish side. Yeah, I mean, one of the points I think that Tony is making is we very often on this show talk about trying to take advantage of elevated options premiums on individual stocks going into things like earnings. And that's a very tough thing to do. If you just went out and bought puts on Google, you went out and bought puts on Apple, and you went out and bought puts on all of the big names in these indices going into earnings every time, you would actually end up paying a very big price for doing that over time. So you definitely want to do this more tactically. And where you have an opportunity to do it in an index like this, that's the way to play it. Good education. Well, speaking of earnings, GE also gearing up for its report next week. Now, this stock has been lighting up the past few months and trading at its highest level since October of 2018. And Tony says this electric rally is far from over. So, Tony, how are you trading GE into next week's earnings? This has been an interesting one. A lot of people talking about GE. Yeah, this has been on my radar since January. And I like this stock because it broke out in January above that $11.5 resistance level. And it's coming back to retest that as support. And I think this is a good entry for a potential long from a risk reward perspective. If we look at GE from a relative perspective, it's starting to outperform its sector. And not only do I like that type of relative strength going into earnings, the industrial sector itself, having spent most of 2019 going sideways, broke out in November. And I think there's a lot more upside, especially going into an election year here. So with General Electric looking at the earnings here, it's implying about a 7.8% move next week going into earnings, which falls right in line with roughly the 7% that we've seen over the last four quarters. So the way I'm looking to play this, because General Electric implied volatility is actually at the lower end of its range, is a fairly simple strategy of just buying a call spread. I'm going out to March, and I'm looking at the 11 by 13 call vertical, 
Uh, I'm buying the March 11 calls for about $1.05 earlier today, and I'm selling the 13 calls for about $0.20. Net-net, I'm here paying about $0.85 for this call spread, bringing my break-even to just $11.85, which is only about $0.15 higher than where we're closed today, and I have about a 12% upside by the March expiration here. Ooh, Mike, what do you make of this strategy? Seems like a good one. Yeah, so I, I like the strategy. There's a couple things I would quickly point out. You know, General Electric, although it, you know the options are fairly priced relative to the kinds of moves we've seen over the last few quarters, you can see that the options, if you're just going out and buying them again, going into an earnings, that would probably be an expensive way to play it. Using a spread makes much more sense. You're also trading in the money options, which is something that people should take a look at when you're trying to reduce the extrinsic premium, reduce the decay that you're spending on a trade. It's a way to make a directional bet using options and basically mitigating that extrinsic premium. So I like that aspect of it a lot. And, and technically, of course, and Tony's watching this carefully, it has all the hallmarks of a bearish to bullish reversal, something that's had a long and protracted decline from 30 all the way down to 5, 6, and has been basing and bottoming. It gapped up on its last quarterly results. Often, again, you get gaps in twos or threes. You get another beat. Tip top. This is a name that really has uh, fallen pretty far, but potentially has some nice upside there. Well, thank you, gentlemen, for everything Options Action. Check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. And while you're there, sign up for our newsletter. Here's what's coming up next. There they are. Cracks in Tesla. And they could be bigger than these. Plus... Calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. Welcome back to Options Action. Tesla going on a wild ride this year. Shares of the electric automaker up more than 33% just this month and trading at all-time highs. But our Mike Co is betting that the stock's hot rally could hit a speed bump on its earnings next week. He's over at the Plasma with his call to action. Mike, take it away. Sure. So Tesla has been a very difficult stock to try to bet against. If you have been short this stock over the course of the last six months, you understand just how painful that can be. And of course, a lot of shorts have been taken out as a result. If all you've been doing is going out and buying puts, you have also felt a great deal of pain because this is a a stock where you see expensive options. And of course, the stock's only gone in one direction. So we're going to try to look for ways that you can bet against the stock without spending quite as much money over time or taking the kinds of risks that you would by naked shorting the stock. Let's take a look at it. Right now, the options market is implying a move of about 12%. That is quite considerable when you consider how expensive the stock has gotten. We're talking about a $100 billion market cap, so we're talking about a $12 billion swing one way or the other. There is some downside if you see some cracks in the story for this. We actually had a note out from J.P. Morgan. They were suggesting that the stock could potentially be cut in half. However, the short interest is still high, and that's important when we think about what the stock could do near term when they report earnings. So let's just take a quick look at what's been going on. Since the beginning of the year, obviously, we've seen a sharp increase in the price of the stock. We've also seen a sharp increase in the price of options on the stock. And these are not the options that just capture earnings. We're talking about 90-day options here. Usually what you will see when stocks rise is that that implied volatility remains relatively static or in some cases might even fall. In this case, as the stock has risen, so has uncertainty. 
Now, we take a look at how this stock has historically behaved around earnings. We can see we've seen some very, very large moves. And actually, where we see a significant concentration of those moves is right here. And that is representing a move of down 10 to 15 percent from Friday to Friday, capturing the week where they report earnings. So we're going to target that price right there. And the trade that we're taking a look at here is a diagonal calendar. I was looking at buying the June 475 puts. Those were about 35.50 when I was looking at that earlier today. And then selling the weekly 500 strike puts for $11.40. Notice where that 500 strike is. At the time I was looking at the stock was about 560. We were looking at some of those downside moves that are sometimes around the 10% level, maybe a little bit more. So this is a trade that will make some money if the stock stays right here. It could even rise a little bit. We're still going to be okay. It's going to see peak profits if the stock declines to about 500 by a week from today. Now, if the stock does linger here, those 500 uh, puts that were short are actually going to expire worthless, and we can look to sell more against it to continue to finance the ownership of that longer-dated put. And Tesla shares close the day just under 565. Mike, thank you. Carter, what do you make of Tesla and this trade here, this strategy? Sure. I mean, this is extraordinary. Not so much that stocks can't do this, but typically it's, it's almost something binary that will get you a move. It's a biotech where uh, something can literally change, and that's not the case here. We know that they are changing the car industry, but a lot is priced in. So it's just a question of whether one wants to take profits or reduce. But being outright short... That's not something I would do, not to imply that that's what we're doing. But this has animal spirits, and it's on its own for now. It is such a cult-like stock, it seems. It's yeah. just in its way binary, like yeah. a biotech, yeah. for instance. And you got lovers, you got haters. Well, I'm not a Tesla hater. Okay. I, I don't hate the cars, and I don't hate the company. And actually, there is actually a case you could make for its current price, believe it or not. If you look forward to 2030, you know, the conservative estimates figure that we're going to see annual electric vehicle sales at that time north of $3 million a year. And what is interesting here is that the theory has always been for Tesla that they own the electric vehicle market right now, but as the OEMs, the legacy automakers, got into the space, that they would begin to displace Tesla somewhat. When Audi came out with the e-tron, that didn't happen. When Jaguar came out with the I-Pace, that didn't happen. When Chevy came out with the Bolt, that didn't happen. Tesla, actually, as the electric vehicle market has increased, their share has remained constant. So if you look at it that way, you could say, all right, well, if they get into the light-duty truck market, if they get into the Class 8 truck market, they get into all of these markets and they maintain market share, they're going to be one of the big automakers 10 years from now. And I think that's what the bulls would probably argue. And there's a lot of other things that Tesla is up to as well. So there is a bull case. It's just that a lot of that's priced in already. $100 billion market capitalization gets you close to Toyota, the enterprise value of companies like BMW that sells more than 2 million cars a year. That's, that's a lot of good news priced in already. The chart's pretty unbelievable. Tony, what do you think in here? Um, so I completely agree here. I'm not bearish on Tesla, but I'm not bullish anymore. So I think the way to play this works out really well. You're using options that really high implied volatility on those January weekly options that you sold. I think they're around 110 implied volatility, so you're able to sell that. And if you sell this, these weekly options for just a few weeks, you're going to recoup the cost of buying that long-term put. And if you do get a drop in Tesla, you're able to take advantage of that. The other way I would play this is selling a call credit spread to the upside and basically defending a level uh, to the upside. What is remarkable just day to day today with this kind of sort of red tape, Tesla barely budged, right? A big week positive. That's a tell that for now it's on its own. 
Mike, I'm going to give you the final word to wrap this up for us. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Selling credit spreads, that's a strategy I typically like. It is actually a strategy I've talked about in Tesla. It's a strategy I've done myself and been punished for because I did that when the stock was 300. I did that when the stock was 350. And lo and behold, here we are. Uh, All I can say is Elon Musk... Bravo, you build a good car and you've got a great stock. And now the balance sheet is self-correcting because that basically the converts take out all the debt now because those are well in the money. So I think the Cybertruck is really silly, but I guess you don't, huh? I, I ordered one. You, you, you ordered one. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think it's that silly. You don't silly. think it's silly. It's just me, I guess. It's silly looking maybe, but I actually think it's, it, you know, it's completely different than anything else that's on the market. And that actually is where Elon Musk really has turned Tesla into the success, is that he's willing to do things that nobody else is willing to do. If you're going to be unconventional, you know, that's the way to do it. He is unconventional, and that is why he's breaking into this industry. And those windows are still breaking, so I hope that that gets fixed, uh, too. Anyway, well, coming up, shares of Intel surging to a fresh high today. And that's great news for our traders. We'll tell you why. Plus, have a burning options question? Of course you do. So tweet it at our handle, Options Action, and you just might get your answer on air. We're live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. Much more Options Action after this. Welcome back to Options Action. It's time to look back at some of our open trades. Last week, Tony said chipmaker Intel was going to break out into its earnings. This stock certainly has underperformed the market and the semiconductor group. However, that has stabilized a little bit over the last couple of months. And this recent relative strength is typically what I like to see going into an earnings release. The break-even price on this particular uh, strategy is 58.35. So as long as this stock stays above that level, I'm profitable. And if this stock does get a little pop on earnings, I get to take profit on this by this time next week. And breakout it did. Intel surging nearly 14% since the time of that trade and hitting a fresh 52-week high. So, Tony, what do you think of the stock here? Well, I love the stock. I didn't think it would move this far this <laughs> fast. But for the trade, you know, this we sold it for about $1.15. It's now trading at about $0.09. Cents. I would close this out, take profit on this particular trade, and move on to the next one. Carter, what do you make of that move? I think that that's right. I mean, uh, it's such a big move that you have to sometimes take the money and run, uh, fully exploited. And there's also this. The semis have been particularly good. They're very steep as an aggregate. And guess what? Semis had a big outside reversal day, as you know, closed in the red. And at some point, you've consumed all the fuel. We've heard from a lot of names. It might just be that you rang a small bell. Semis have been great. Intel puts up a great number, and then that's it. Also last week, Mike Coe said Netflix was going to stream higher on its earnings results. The stock has moved very sharply off of its recent lows. We've seen an increase in the price of about 30-plus percent. And finally, when we take a look at earnings, moves of less than 3% or so are quite uncommon in the stock. So specifically, the trade I was looking at was just going out and buying the weekly 340 calls. This isn't a strategy we usually look to because that is kind of expensive in most cases. And in this case, these options aren't cheap. They're $11.75. And in fact, Netflix up around 3% since the time of that trade. Mike, how are you managing it from here? Well, there isn't much to manage when you trade weekly options because one week later, they expire. (laughs) But the stock did move in the desired direction. Actually, if you had had this on earlier today, um, they got to almost 20 bucks, actually, this morning. Uh, The stock obviously gave back a little bit of its gains later on. But if you own them all the way up until they expired today, you saw a profit of about two and a half, three dollars $3, which is maybe not as much as we might have hoped, but you know, on an $11 investment over one week, 
not so bad. Tony, what do you think of this one? I think it's time to just take the profits from run. You've, you've made about 30% gains on this particular trade. It's a weekly option, like you said. If you keep holding on to it, you're just going to have theta decay to come in, so time to take profits. Well, up next, your tweets and the final call. Welcome back to Options Action. It is time now to take some of your tweets. Our first viewer asks, would you hold a TLT 139 call with January 31st expiration going into earnings next week? Mike. Yeah, so obviously TLT is more of a rate bet. If you own TLT, you're betting that rates are going to drop. And you made a good bet, obviously, the 139s. There's not a lot of decay left in them, so I would indeed hang on to those. All right. Another fan asks, are you still holding the XLE $60.21 April call, Carter? I think we've got enough time, but this sure hasn't been happy. Uh, stick with it a little longer. What do you guys make of that? You know, I mean, the, the exercise, the reason we bought the call was because we recognized that there was some downside risk, but I do think we still have some time. We should hang on to it. Okay. Time now for our final call already. Carter, what do you got? QQQ, vulnerable to profit taking and short selling. Do it before someone does it for you. Mm, okay. Mike? Netflix, I think we can use diagonals here. You know, I like the company, but the price of it is just too high. Too high for Netflix, okay. Tony? GE, looking for a pop on earnings, using a call spread to do that. We will see what happens. It's going to be a very busy week next week. And that does it for us here on Options Action. We'll be back next Friday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. Don't go anywhere. Mad Money starts right now.